Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. I'm your host, Rob Kennedy, and we're here with Jeremy of Wattage. Hello. Hello. I like the, the Twitter handle, Wattagio. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Italian. Uh, so why don't you tell everybody what Wattage is all about? So Wattage is a, an online platform uh, that uh, empowers non-technical people to build uh, sophisticated electronic devices without them needing any electronics know-how. So it's very simple, all drag and drop. Build something in the browser and we'll ship it to you. So what kinds of things can you build? So it's, uh, if you want to think about it along the lines of uh, like, like Lego, you know, kind of modules, you're, you're, building, uh, you're building different things using different components. So a lot of the things that you build are obviously going to be you know, whatever you can imagine. So you've got different types of sensors and you know, actuators, buttons, screens, that kind of stuff. Uh, so one of the, in terms of the, the types of things, so one of the things that we're kind of really excited about, one of the things we're going to be releasing when we when we launch is a uh, the podcast radio. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, I like it already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a, uh, a kind of a modern take on an old school like radio. So it looks like a like a Dieter Rams designed uh, little, little device that uh, sits on your desk. It's got a speaker. It's got a screen. Couple knobs, uh, but instead of flipping between you know the radio stations, the AM FM stations, you're, you're flipping between podcasts. So the mm-hmm. idea is that you can kind of put this thing in your home, turn it on, and not have to worry about you know bringing out the app, trying to find the stuff, trying to download it, um, that kind of stuff. So you could build you know things like that. You can build. Um, we've got a lot of musicians that have, have been shown some interest in building uh, custom like controllers, like uh, mixing boards and kind of things to, for for like MIDI controllers and stuff. So mm-hmm. very cust- highly customized. Very personalized, um, uh, you know, interface for the computer uh, that, uh, that that they're really excited about. Um, home automation stuff, uh, games. We're building a, this like physical game that kind of like a, again, kind of like an old school take on a or a modern take on an old school game of uh, kind of like lots of knobs and very physical type of, yeah, of yeah, game yeah. instead of like you know a touch screen or you know your console. I, I can't play iOS. I know like I run I've run app companies. I can't play iOS games where there's the virtual. Right, yeah, it yeah, just feels screen. wrong. Well, the, maybe I'm just old and I, I don't know. It's the it's the lack of, of tactile touch, right? Like yeah. you want to be able to feel the things. I think it's one of obviously why you know console gaming is obviously still so still popular thing. is that you know you being able to hold that control in your hand is great. Um, and for us, we just love the idea of, of, of really giving people the kind of the ability or the power to, to build physical stuff because traditionally building hardware is, you know, is very difficult, right? It is. It's, it's, and you need soldering and you need to know schematics and electrical engineering, which is tough. It's a mix of stuff, right? So if you're building <coughs> electronics, if you want it to be um, you know, programmable or interactive in any way, yeah, you need, you need electronics. Mm-hmm. So you're either using things like Arduino or Raspberry Pi or you're having to then build out custom stuff, soldering, that kind of stuff. But if you want to wrap it up in, in a you know beautiful box of some sort, you then need to know how to design stuff in CAD. You right. need to know how to how to not only just design it, but then get it made. And if you're making one, that's that's one thing. If you mm-hmm. need to make more than one, that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you know that's that's the problem we want to solve. We want to give people the the ability to express themselves through hardware without them having to be you know electrical engineers and industrial designers and worry about supply chain and manufacturing. And well, even today, to your point, like if I wanted to make a a radio, even a radio, I'd if I wanted to completely manufacture it myself, either I'd find bits of stuff lying around, or I'd three D print the casing, and then I'd have to know software development to write the whatever to you know the UI and whatever, plus the soldering to make to wire the button to the. It's very complicated. Like, it's not trivial, even yeah. though it's kind of been democratized. To it's, a certain degree, like anybody can do it now. It's much cheaper than it used to be, but it's not trivial. I think um, you, know, you look at things like Arduino and Raspberry Pi, uh, from an electronic standpoint at least, it's making it easier. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's actually necessarily made it easy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you've, you've got 
in my experience in the past, you know, having personally like bought Arduinos and tried to make stuff, <laughs> uh, only to realize that wow, this is a little bit more difficult yeah. than I anticipated, and you know those <laughs> things are just sitting in boxes still at yes, home. Yes, everyone has. Yeah, it. Exactly. I have an Arduino sitting in my like. Right. I should do something with this. Right. I think I think a lot of us. <clears throat> Have these these kind of grand ideas? Of, Can they know, donate them to you and then like? And well, them there. <laughs> what we're trying to do is is you know not even so you wouldn't even require those types of things. You shouldn't have to worry about like what type of electronics are inside or how all that stuff works. Instead, what we're doing is focusing more on, on like what you wanted to do, right? Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. You know, when it comes to like a radio, you're like, all right, I, I want a screen, I want a speaker, I want a button. That's it. I want it to be this so dimension. That's pretty amazing. So like, without knowing the plumbing. Yeah. My, I or my mom could go onto it's a web app is what you've yep, got correct, yeah. and and drag the bits in and then you guys figure out how to interconnect these things so our software takes into account all the how it all like interconnects behind the scenes so the plumbing as you said so uh, the interface that you have as there's no a, person saying okay I need to solder this to no, this no. there's a software that's yeah there. so there's there's kind of three aspects to it um, there is the what we call the product builder so that's the web app that's mm -hmm. the browser based thing mm -hmm. uh, the interface that the user has is all straightforward. It's all drag and drop. The idea is that it's as simple as possible, so you don't need to worry about anything that's going on behind the scenes. Our software then takes into account, like, okay, so you've added this button. How big is this button? How much space does it need inside? How, how much power does it require? Um, well, buttons don't really require power, but if you had a screen or a speaker or something yeah, along those lines. it's figuring this stuff out as you go. We're taking all that stuff into account. And building out the physical model to account for the, the space. So yeah. if you need a screen, it needs to be a little bit bigger. Yeah. If it, so if you have a speaker, for instance, yeah. the speaker requires some you know, space, so the, uh, the cavity needs to be bigger, we take that into account as well. So when we add it, you know, everything gets a little bit larger to accommodate. Uh, inside, we're figuring out like how things are all mounted, how they're positioned, again, like how all the, all the electronics are inter interconnected. So that's the first part of the product builder. Uh, inside uh, are all these are modular electronic components. So these are like they're literally like Lego blocks. They all plug and play. Um, it's a custom brain. It's essentially Arduino based right now. Mm -hmm. Probably not going to be Arduino based forever, mm -hmm. um, or at least we'll have some options to kind of to, to expand that out. Um, Arduino is open source, so you it, kind of. I'm actually we're going to open source all of it. Yeah, we're going to open. There is. I don't really see any downside for us. To keep all this closed, like we, we mm -hmm. really want to work closely with with the community to build out the functionality and the the components and all the behavior and all that stuff. So we're going to uh, the, the chipset. You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to open yeah. source uh, cool. as far as 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 far as we stand. As far as we're the decision we have today is that we're it'll all be open. Um, so that's a plan. Um, yeah, so all the electronic components are all modular. So mm -hmm. our software is basically saying, all right, you've added this button. That button corresponds to this physical part. You've added the speaker. That speaker is this part. Uh, and then we, when you hit buy, um, we manufacture it. So it's being created using uh, laser cutters and 3D printers, uh, predominantly laser cutters right now. Uh, so our software figures out like, all right, like here's all the components that need to be made. We're making them locally, uh, and then you know we ship it out to you. So it's going to be sold as a kit on day one. So when you get it, you'll have to put it together. But it comes with uh, nice, beautiful instructions, and it'll be you know think of it along think of it along the lines of uh, the IKEA for hardware. <laughs> I was going to say, but not with an Allen key. Yeah, no, it, and like really confusing instructions. <laughs> <laughs> you might need an Allen key, but it'll be it'll be it'll be really straightforward in the instructions. So nice. so let's take a step back because. The, I mean, this is a relative. When did you guys? When did you start the company? So uh, the company was founded in February of last year. Okay, fair enough. And uh, we've been working on it <clears throat> since about April. I think it was like we officially kind of dove, dove in and started working on it. Okay, so. so it's kind of officially it's got its first birthday, but in earnest, not quite yet. It's not yeah. a very old company. So you you didn't start doing this. In fact, you we were just talking before you 
running services companies. That's before. correct. Yeah. So do you want to talk about like the, your past? So you started sure. off just doing fancy consulting or what did you do? I don't know how fancy it was. <laughs> so I was uh, previously a partner at a company called T-Han and Lax. Uh, we were a uh, design consultancy here in Toronto. Uh, I will proudly say probably one of the best in, in, in North America. Mm -hmm. uh, we did, you know, it was great. We did uh, you know, client service work for, you know, we designed interfaces. We designed experiences. It was all software, all digital experiences. Uh, so web apps, um, obviously like mobile apps, um, browser-based stuff. We worked with a variety of companies ranging from you know, Google. I was in I was in South Korea uh, a fair bit. Oh yeah, working with LG on their uh, their latest in, uh, uh, Android handsets. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the type of stuff we did. So we, we, I was there uh, I was there for six years, and then prior to that, I have about uh, nineteen years of experience doing you know again design consultancy work uh, for a variety of companies over the years. So for those just tuning in, <clears throat> this is Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. I'm Rob Kennedy, and we're here with uh, Jeremy of Wattage. And so we're catching up with your sort of history. Mm -hmm. So <clears> the <throat> TNLAX, I mean, it, it's a, it was a, I think we were talking before, the company was about 12 years old. It just yeah. shuttered like a month ago. It did, yeah. So they, they closed it down and, and <laughs> yeah. moved on. So it existed for 12 years. Correct. As of a month ago, up to a month ago. And um, when you joined... I mean, you guys started like getting pretty intense clients. I mean, you built like medium, like you built pretty big, crazy shit, like yeah. impactful shit. So we, you know, the obviously the tremendous amount of this is, you know, John and Jeff, the Tehan and the Lax. They uh, they founded a company about I think it was twelve years ago. I started six years, about mm -hmm. halfway into its its lifespan. Um, I don't remember how many people we were when we started, but uh, you know, we were. You know, we were always focused on just creating great stuff. Like that was always our kind of driving force. Was let's let's build great work. Let's give that work away. Um, so we built tools and all kinds of different stuff, and let's share what what we're doing. Uh, and that was a, an incredible you know, aspect of of I think what the success was as well was not mm -hmm. just doing great work, but also being transparent and giving it all away um, wherever possible. Um, and yeah, so great work. You know, got more great work, and and we you know we worked on some amazing um, stuff. So as you said, we worked with, with Ev Williams and the guys at Obvious Corp mm -hmm. uh, to build up Medium.com. Mm -hmm. That came about kind of amazing, actually. We got a tweet from Ev when Ev Williams tweets you and says, "Hey guys, like I like your work. We should work together." And you're like, "Yes, yes." <laughs> on my platform, should. Twitter. Yeah, exactly. I will Maybe tweet you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, you know, we got that, and Jeff uh, Jeff went down there, and uh, we worked with those guys to build that out, which was which. Uh, the end result is you know amazing and yeah. a great experience uh, for for those guys. Um, you know we worked with they also worked with Flipboard. We worked mm -hmm. with I mean Bell Canada locally was you know was was my biggest client. So lots of stuff going on mm -hmm. locally as well. Um, Google, uh, all kinds of different. Stuff. So here's the thing. So you joined you joined in six six years on yeah. in the company as a partner. Yeah, correct. Uh, and so the idea was like what what why did you become a partner in the company? Like what was the impetus for you to do that? Not just an employee or yeah. So I uh, do your own thing. I was a creative director at a company uh, called Blast Radius, so we mm -hmm. did you know, like design consultancy and stuff. And I got to this point where uh, I thought I had reached the top or anything like that, but from a, from where my kind of career trajectory was, I was like, all right, like what am I going to do next? And one of the things that really excited me about a company like T Hand and Lax is, as and especially as a partner, is I got uh, exposed to all kinds of different stuff um, that I wouldn't have been exposed to elsewhere. So mm -hmm. the actual business side. Of, of running an agency and, mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. So I um, I was super excited to kind of go in there and, right. and, and, and and that was primarily what attracted me. I mean, I'd known John and Jeff for for, for years, um, so it was kind of like going back. I, I actually was, 
I wouldn't say it was necessarily employee number one or two. I think it was like a, I think it was like the second person that they had hired originally. I was oh, there's oh, yeah? a contractor, yeah. Oh yeah. So it was many years, you know, prior, but it was, I felt felt like I was also kind of going home back to kind of the you know, the, the place that you know I had, I had worked at in so many years prior as well. So um, yeah, there was a number of things that that attracted me to kind of going in there, and obviously being a partner at a at a company provides you a, a whole an additional kind of set of freedom and flexibility and that kind of stuff that was, mm-hmm. was also really appealing. Mm-hmm. And then so like you're, you're, you're moving along, you're building this business, it's growing into something quite substantial. Yep. Um, and you're like, you know, because <laughs> I have this theory. I have this theory that all services companies want to be product companies. This is just my conspiracy theory in the world. I don't, you know, it's funny. I don't think that's necessarily, um, I don't think that's inaccurate. I think that there, there's internally, and I, again, my, I found that TN and Lax was probably more of an extreme than, than other places mm. where we never really fit with the other agency world. We never felt like, you know, marketers were our people. We never, mm-hmm. we, we'd read, you know, read strategy magazine or, you know, marketing or whatever. And, and the, what was covered and what they would say just never resonated with us. Right, right. And on the flip side, the startup community did. And not that we were trying to build product necessarily or kind of go out of our way to do it, but we always seemed to fit more in that space we seem to, to our hearts were, were always there mm-hmm. and over the years we you know we definitely tried to build stuff mm-hmm. uh, we had built you know prior to me getting there they had built a thing called Paruba which was like a social shopping site which was actually really interesting quite ahead of its time and and uh you know, had had enough effort and you know resources been put against it. It could have been something really special, but you're in a service business. Your dollars are, are made selling you know not hours, but you know selling stuff to clients. So I was asking, why does that always fail? <laughs> Practically always. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, product companies are freaking hard. Not to, to trivialize it, but there's a misalignment <clears throat> of of incentives, misalignment of of what the businesses ultimately are. Mm-hmm. You've got people who you know fund. The business, the the service business, by doing service work, mm-hmm. and you can't really build a product company uh, part time on the side, you know, in between, you know, clients or on, in your free time, it just doesn't work. I also wonder the uh, conspiracy theory I have is it's people are the product people and, and services people are sort of built differently, not not to say it's in genetic and you can't change, but you know, your your you know your mo, mo your way of operating is is different sure. when you're being a product doing a product thing you have to focus is the key and and mm-hmm. services focus uh, is not necessarily the key i think when you've got someone who runs or works in the service industry you're geared to service someone else like you're yes. geared like you're doing everything to 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 please uh, the client and as mm-hmm. a as a product type person, you're focused more on like doing what you believe is right and building the right thing and trying to create the best product possible. And, and you don't necessarily want to worry about getting buy-in from the client or trying to go back and get consensus on what the features and functionality are going to be. Um, and I would say that you know when you look at, at T. Handle Lax and specifically John, uh, John Lax, he... Uh, he had strong beliefs about, like, about a number of things and, mm-hmm. and we built that company um, in a particular way and it was built more like a product company and we we turned down all kinds of like like we walked away from millions of dollars yeah in 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 different projects the, the reason the being it was like philosophically misaligned misalignment or? of values it was <clears throat> you know this work would come in and 
you'd be like, yeah, like this would be very profitable, but I don't really want to make that. Or like, yeah, I, I don't want to put my staff through that. Or, Got it. And just this isn't, we didn't build this company to go build these things. And so I, we get that, I got that now too. I'm just thought I was a cranky old person now. And I'm no. just like, I'm too old to deal with that. So, so had you had, had you built any physical or digital products yourself up to that point? So me personally? Yes, you personally. Uh, no. No. Um, uh, we, we had obviously been involved in stuff. Like sure. At TNLX, Lax, we had attempted a variety of things um, that some of which never made it you know out of the lab some of it never made it to, were you part of that process yep, and yeah and you learn like sure yeah oh boy don't do that <laughs> yeah yeah we, you know we, we you know we did a thing called um, tweet mag which um, mm, the, right. the genesis, genesis of the, the idea was actually mine uh, we had a, one of the employees where uh, he'd come to come to us and said like I got this this great idea for this this magazine that would be it wasn't even a magazine it was like a Twitter I remember that. an iPad app. <laughs> And you know, he was like, I want to make a Twitter feed that looks better. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, you know what? It's not even about the Twitter feed. It's about the content mm. um, that's being shared. Like we should we should make that look more beautiful so I can digest that mm-hmm. very very easily. Um, and then Jeff ran with it. And while we were in development, Flipboard was announced. And mm-hmm. I, I'm positive I still have the email that just said subject line fuck. <laughs> Bob, Bob Body just said we're done. Let's move on with a link to like flip to to Flipboard. Um, but we you know we we pushed but, forward. And, I was gonna say like. Is that a problem or is that market validation? It was. I mean, obviously, it's a funded both. company, it was right? Both. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, we were again. This is this comes back to your point about the kind of friction of building, you know, products on the side of of an agency. Mm. You know, this stuff. These guys announced their uh, the release of their products. I'm pretty sure at that time it was actually released. So we were still in development. So we're like, yes. all right, strike one, strike two. They were well funded. I think at the time they'd raised like 10 million or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was yeah. enough for us to be like. Certainly don't have that uh, at strike two. And strike three is we didn't know what we were doing. Like we never built iPad, iPad iPad apps before. We never built anything like this. So we were we were really fumbling around in the dark trying to build this thing out. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a you know an amazing team like Evan Dahl who who was on the team came from the if I remember correctly he came from the iPod or the iPhone like original team at Apple. Oh no way! Yeah, so we're like all right, he knows how to build these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was strike three as far as I was concerned. So you know. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was market validation, and, and I, I'm not opposed to competition by any means, um, but sometimes you just need to kind of you know, know when to fold them, right? No, it's true. That, I mean, I think I find that it's very hard for, for entrepreneurs to know this is the thing I need to stop now. Like, yeah. Some costs are something that we all rationally know and emotionally never... I think, I mean, to be an entrepreneur, I think you need to have, to some extent, blinders on. Like, you need to be like, all right, like, I got this vision. I need to go get this vision. Let me put... You know my blinders on and go get go get it. And at some point, you need to look up and realize like either I got there and I'm successful, or like yeah, that, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> but there's something that at least from a driving standpoint, you need to you need to kind of be focused on trying to succeed no matter what. Because it's hard, right? Yeah. So how do you? So I'm waiting for the clock to change because there you go. Uh, <laughs> it's entrepreneurs in small rooms drinking coffee. For those who are just uh, tuning in, I'm Rob Kennedy, and we're here with Jeremy of Wattage. Um, so much background, so much background. So you um, you'd sort of dabbled in building products before, not your own, like from your own idea, with your own money, directly. And, it's, and then you're like, you know, I'm at this successful consulting company. I'm going to build a product of my own and leave it. Why don't I walk away from this amazing job? Yeah. How do you... That. I mean, first of all, you're saying you sort of conceived the idea while sort of around that company, like you were sure. not physically in the office necessarily, but you were thinking. I mean, you're, you're, I think all of, everyone's ideas and experiences are, are you know, driven and informed by what's going on around you. So yeah, I mean, I was at work for you know many hours a day. Yes. You know, obviously, you know, you know, things kind of come into your head while you're there. 
Um, so the idea to kind of step back was, was I mean, I, was, I got to this point where I was getting restless. Mm -hmm. I was kind of doing you know, agency client service work. Um, I didn't know what I wanted. To, I knew I wanted to make something. I knew mm -hmm. that I'd spent my career building virtual things, and I wanted to make something physical. Mm -hmm. um, the maker movement aspects of, of kind of which become very, very popular, very, very trendy, and, and that kind of caught me as well. I was like, all right, like you know, this is this is really exciting. Um, we had a lab at, at at the office where we were dabbling a lot with physical stuff. So mm -hmm. we had laser cutters and 3D printers mm -hmm. and Arduinos and Raspberry Pis and the guys were making all kinds of crazy stuff, which was also very exciting. It was also very exciting to see how everyone else reacted to something tangible. Like when you come out and you, you put something on a desk and you can look at it and pick it up, yeah. everyone has a, a very different reaction than That's when true. you look at an app or a website. So that was also another contributing factor. I was like, oh man, like I just want to go make something I can hold. Like is mm -hmm. that too much to ask? Mm -hmm. uh, and then I was at a conference. I was at... Um, the I.O. Festival in Minneapolis. If those who are listening have not been, I look it up. It's one of the most amazing. What is it? Like, what is the point of it? It's a, like a creative. It, it focuses a lot on like kind of creative coding and and like data visualization, which sounds mm. like kind of dry. That's but awesome. what's amazing is the people that that are there and the way they've organized that conference is. I don't know. Every time I would leave, I just felt inadequate. Like mm. I was like, yeah, I haven't done enough. <laughs> I have not made enough. These people are up here doing this and this, building this stuff. And mm. I just had a pure passion for making these these crazy things, and some of them were just like mind blowing. And you know, I, I went. I think probably two years prior to that, and every year I walked out of there being like, "Wow, that was." I I need to look in the mirror and <laughs> figure figure my. What shit am out. I doing with my yeah, life? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was just like it was it was it was very so inspiring. Don't though. go there unless you want some sort of existential crisis. Well, that, exactly, exactly. Right. <laughs> if you want to leave your amazing job and you know, start your own business, go for it. Otherwise, stay at home. Uh, and yes, yeah, so that's what happened. So I was I was in a seeing one of the talks and watching someone talk about kind of her business and what she was doing and. And uh, I kind of had this moment. I was like, well, "Wait a second. It was all about kind of democratizing, you know, electronics and making things easier for people." And and you know, I was you, know, you look at the way people are solving these problems today. You know, things like Arduino and little bits, and you know, those 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 types of things. It's about making it easier to build the actual electronic, like the circuit, yes. right? Like it's uh, let's focus on the on the hardware and teach people how to how to solder and teach them the basics of all the electronics and let's solve that aspect. Which I think is great. Like I'm not. I don't want to undermine it or say that that there's no there's not value there. But for but it's me, like the horseless carriage. It's like let's. Do you know what I mean? It's like if you would have you know that saying where if, if Henry Ford or whatever. Totally. So it's like you you could make that easier, or you could think about actually what people want to do, and they want to build electronics. They don't care about soldering, really. Yeah. They want that, to make that, something cool. And that's where the the idea was ultimately born. Is for me, I was like, all right, like a, I come from the software world, so it's like, why, why wouldn't we use software to solve this problem? <laughs> but B, it was I I was less interested in how all the kind of bits went together and I was more interested in like what the end result was. Like yes. I want to like I want to create this thing. I don't care about like everything that has to go into making it, which sounds ignorant to some extent, but I was like, all right, I just I'm not I don't I don't have enough time personally to teach myself all these facets of all these things. I just wanna I just want to get the end result. And yes. we're like, well what well, could you not abstract away all the complexity of building this stuff using software? And that that's where this kind of light bulb went on. So so did you so you didn't run away from something, you ran towards something, in a sense. Sure. You, you were primed to do something, you just needed that sort of thing to, the catalyst to make you want to run towards it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that was the kind of spark, it was like, oh, interesting, like, you know, you had this idea, you're like, wow, could you do this, let's figure out if you could do it, and, I don't know, kind of like a moth to a flame, it was like, oh, maybe you could, I just kind of kept going, getting closer to it, and 
And did you have the skill to do that kind of stuff, the plumbing bits? Me personally, yes. no. no. So no, what no. did you do? Did you just like go home and like call up people and be like, listen? So my co-founder now, my, yes. my business partner, he was literally sitting right next to me. And while we were <laughs> sitting here watching this thing, I kind of leaned over to him. I'm like, do you think you could do this? And he looked at me. He's like, dude, you're fucking crazy. At the time, I was talking about like building custom circuit boards and you know simulation in the browser and all kinds of like very complicated stuff. It was still the end result was you make something in the browser and you get the physical thing, but it was it was a slightly different kind of take on on, on what it is now. And uh, he, we went back to the office and I, I went back to my business partners like the you know John and Jeff and Dave at Tina Lux. Like I guys got this crazy idea, and they also said like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> um, and I kind of like, oh, well, maybe this is crazy, and I put it on the shelf and I kind of you know walked away from it. And then I found, like, from that point on, I'd be, like, just, I was literally losing sleep over it. And not in a bad way. Like, i just wake Excited. up and be like, oh, man, like, what about this? And I would, like, jot notes down on my phone and be biking home from work. And I'd literally jump off my bike and pull my phone out to scribble something down. It's, I was coming kind of obsessed with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Peter went to Maker Faire in New York that year. and This is your current partner. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And he came back. <laughs> It's funny. He came back from Baker Fair, walked to my office, closed the door. And he's like, "You're right." And I'm like, "Dude, I'm right about what? Like, what are you talking about?" And he's like, I, he, "He's like, I saw this talk, and he, I mean, I'll butcher the the, the, the what, what he heard, but essentially it was, you know, the 18th century was about the mastery of electricity. The 19th century is about mastery of power, and you know, this century is really going to be the mastery of like, you know, uh, matter, like really mm. people being able to take control of physical stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I, "There's just so much that's going on around that, from mm -hmm. 3D printing to." I think particularly 3D printing is just the excitement around it has been around that idea of taking control of matter, being able to create something digitally and then get, it comes out of a machine, you can hold it in your hand. And, and the, the problem with it is that none of that stuff is programmable. And if you believe, you know, what like Mark Andreessen says about you know, software is going to eat the world, mm -hmm. if you look around you, like everything that you have today has got some sort of circuitry inside of it and increasingly the, you know, the Internet of Things, everything's going to be connected to the Internet. Printing a piece of plastic that you can't program doesn't really fulfill what the future it looks like it's going to be, mm -hmm. um, and that was another kind of factor in, 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 in kind of what excited about us about this was like, wow, you could realize that vision of creating something digitally and getting it physically, but it's also programmable and it can be connected to the internet and has behavior and it can respond and update and change. So, how do you do this? So you you've got you're like okay, there's a way to go about figuring this out. Like yeah. you you think that this is an actionable thing, yeah. um, and uh, you. You know, you quit a pretty lucrative job. Is that based on like both of you, I guess, yeah. uh, or all of you? Yeah. Uh, do you do you had you had anything to show for it at that point? You're like, no, no, no. I'm just going to pursue this idea. Um, I'd spent enough time thinking about it that I felt like I had a pretty good idea of like how it would come together. We hadn't like built or like because here's the thing: like the current thinking in startup land yeah. is this sort of you build an MVP, a minimum viable product. Uh, then you test it with users, you get feedback, and you iterate. This is hardware. Well, there's software, a huge software component, but this is also hardware. How do you yeah, so, validate that you're not crazy and that you can actually do this? So I would say don't do what I did. Because um, <laughs> I think I do think creating and validation is really important. Mm -hmm. And I think that even for us, like we're at this point now where it's been very difficult to validate. And I wish I would have done some stuff slightly differently and that I wish I would have validated sooner using just more lower fidelity things. I was very focused on like, we must build something to then like test it, and I'm certainly not building what I believe is the final vision of what sure. this thing will be. But I do think that we are building as much of a minimum viable product as possible. From a validation standpoint, I wish I would have even gone more minimum 
So what do you think? The need was that like people don't get it unless it's a certain amount of stuff and you need to build that, the, the maybe the web yeah. builder thing. Yeah, exactly. And people won't get it unless I build the web builder and they can feel it. So here, the, the, challenge, the challenge with us is I can't really point to something and be like, oh yeah, we're just like that, but 10 times better. Right. Because we're trying to create something that's entirely new. Like there's yes. this idea of creating like mass customized electronics and empowering non-technical people to make stuff is, it's new, it's different. And that, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I was so excited about it. Um, but it has made it incredibly difficult to validate because when I talk to people about it, I'm like, oh yeah, you build this in your browser. They look at me like I'm an idiot. They're like, what? Right. Then I'm like, oh, it's kind of like Nike ID for, for electronics. And if you've made shoes using the thing, you're <laughs> yeah. like, okay, that's one thing, but not but even many then people it's still have. Like a They're like, yeah. what? They're yeah. like, what, do you, what do you mean? So it's very difficult for me to kind of frame it up. So I was very focused on like, all right, like I will we'll build this builder um, and you'll, you'll use it. Mm. Uh, and I would say we got a little too focused and also like part of that wasn't just like great I can validate how you build it because again what we're doing is, is pretty new we also need to validate like could you from an electronics standpoint do this like it's mm -hmm. one thing for me to kind of put some smoke and mirrors up and be like cool you can build this thing virtually like great thanks what do you think <laughs> it was another thing to say like great we can actually deliver on this so we've been spending the better part of a year um, building out the software but also building out some of the electronics to make sure that it's actually doable uh, and I'm happy to report that it is. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> um, and I'd say that from my standpoint, to answer your question, when we were still employed and we were looking to like, should we go and do this? You know, Peter and I had, had just been in the world, like this, this kind of space long enough to have a pretty good idea that it was viable. Like, mm -hmm. I, like, like Peter's an unbelievable programmer, so I knew that he could build the type of interface that I had in my head. Right. To like, here's how you would build it. And I had done like sketches and designs and stuff to kind of give him, being like, all right, like here's what I'm thinking. Do you think you could build this? Um, I had some ideas on how we're, to improve the programming. That's another aspect of it, like the, the behavior. Yes. So I can make this thing. How do I make it? How do I define well, its behavior? Well, that's one of the questions. I'm like, just dropping a knob in a speaker doesn't make it a radio. Yeah, exactly. Right. So right <laughs> now on day one, you're gonna have to. You'll have to plug it into your computer and program it. Like, yeah. So it's you know it, to get to market as fast as possible. Like we obviously can't build out everything, uh, especially as a kind of like a bootstrapped kind of company. Uh, so you know we're you know we're we're gonna focus on the hardware aspect now. So to to, to define its behavior, you will have to program it mm -hmm. with a computer. But in the future, that won't be the case. And and a lot of what we're gonna do is push a lot of the ideation and prototyping and actual like behavioral like programming into the browser as well. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons we're doing this thing in 3D is so that you can see it. So if you for those on the on the radio that can't obviously see this, imagine it as a, so you see a three-dimensional object of what this thing is that you want. So it starts off as kind of a box and you're like, all right, I want a button. You push a button and it just appears. You're like, I want to put that on the top. You grab it, you move it up to the top. Uh, you're like, oh, okay, I want to uh, add a speaker. You just push speaker and it just appears. So that's the way you manipulate and you build mm -hmm. stuff. But it is a three-dimensional object, so you can mm -hmm. rotate it around. It's in an environment. You put the speaker on the back. You drag the speaker to the back. It and looks you like it's it. sitting on a table. Like that's kind it's of kind of like a car configurator, but yeah, sure. you can drag stuff onto it as opposed yeah. to just choose colors. It, it, it's think of it like a like a car configurator, but you can then like make the car grab the side of the car and make it into a minivan. <laughs> right, right. Like right. you can stretch it out and make it bigger. Um, the next step for us would like would be like, all right, well, when I add the button, like what happens when I push it? Why can't you push it? It's a three-dimensional 3D space. Yes. Like, can I push the button? Can I turn the knob? Can I define its behavior and then prototype it in this kind of simulation? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that we're really excited about kind of getting to is you'll be able to, like, not only build it, but also bring it to life uh, in the browser as that's well. Cool. How, how do you get, avoid, like, so you were saying that, like, you're, you're in a, a place where... Um, 
<laughs> it's a technically difficult challenge, right? So the software is hard, the manufacturing is hard, the, all that stuff is really hard. And I, what I've also seen with a lot of technology startups is they get obsessed with the technology. You have a bunch of engineers, what do you do? You engineer stuff. Yeah. Um, how do you make sure again that you know, you're like um, not building for you <laughs> and that's it? So we, um, again, this is part of where I wish we'd have done some, some stuff slightly differently. We started to, re we did some like kind of paper prototyping with groups of people, be like, mm -hmm. all right, like I had, we had enough that I could kind of put it up and be like, all right, this is the way it would work. Imagine this. All right, let's, here's, look at this paper now. And like, right. how would you, what, what might you build and what might you assemble and kind of give them the building blocks. And so we, we kind of validated some stuff through those exercises to get a sense of like, would people create stuff this way? Mm -hmm. Um, we have, over the last little while, just been kind of ramping up, we're going to release a beta. Um, so we have a, for those that are, that are listening, if you, go, if you go to the website, so it's wattage.io, uh, if you sign up for, uh, for updates, uh, the email updates, we're going to be reaching out to that, that group uh, in about a month to say, hey, like we're, come and play with this thing. You won't be able to buy anything yet, but we want to start getting it into the hands of people. Um, You're going to get a guy who's going to keep suggesting that you do like a small rooms branded thing. Probably. Don't know who it is, but it'll be like awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll do our best. Spam, to, spam, yeah. spam. It's cool. You know, I, you know we've got about, uh, about a thousand people that have, that have signed up already. Um, and yeah, we're going to open it up to them and so, let them and let them play with it. So just out of curiosity, you said looking back, you yeah. would have, what would you have done differently to sort of, to short circuit some of the pain that you went through? Yeah. from the user validation or creative process? It probably would have just opened up sooner and I think we would have pushed some stuff up and got it into more people's hands sooner. Well, I, I was going to come to that because you were, and I still am not kind of clear, you were stealth until like a week ago or two weeks ago or something. You were like, we are a stealthy thing that does magical stuff and yeah. then you sort of laid the cards out on the table but you're still stealthy and I'm not really sure what's the stealthy part. It's, it's funny. I, I, I don't know if I've ever referred to us as being stealthy. I think okay. we've, we haven't... We haven't uh, like when we launched, we put a website up. It wasn't like I was like, all right, shh, shh, we need to be quiet. Right. It's more, let's just focus on kind of building up some of this initial sure. stuff first. So I put up, you know, we put a site up that said some very abstract, vague shit that, that right. a lot of people were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but, you know, it had more to do with just, with us just uh, you know, focusing, uh, focusing elsewhere. Yeah. And I believe quite a while ago that we should be far more transparent and, you know, start just talking more about what we're doing. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously my, my, my background at Tina Lax, that was a lot of the success of that business was based on being transparent. Plus, it's uh, not like I can walk up and build a 3D totally, configurator radio. I, I realized that a while ago too that that the, <laughs> even in software that's really hard. Yeah. I, you know, I know that was an old thing in the startup world, which is like, can't tell you my idea, you'll steal it. It's like, good luck, take the idea, I've, steal it. I've never been shy about talking about what we've been doing and right. showing what we've been doing, primarily because it's <laughs> it's very difficult for us to do it. <laughs> I, I mean, I can only fathom someone coming and trying to like rip it off because there's so many pieces that need to come together in a very particular way, and I see only more benefit of us revealing and sharing more so that's so it wasn't I wouldn't necessarily say this was like calculated it's like alright we need to be stealthy at this point and now, now launch mm. I'd say to some extent like we're kind of still making the sausage and we're like alright here take a look guys you're we're kind of ready. exposing as you can articulate it more than it's a, yeah. a conscious hiding totally I think we you know we've got something to a place that's that's not even polished, not even designed, to be honest. Like, there's all kinds of stuff that still needs to be done, but it's it's functional enough that I think people could use it. Um, we had, uh, again, to come from a transparency standpoint, had spent a lot of time kind of focusing on like fundraising, kind of going out and meeting with people. And, mm -hmm. and one of the one of the challenges we had was investors are like, all right, what is this thing? Like, how's like it's new? Like, I can't point to this new market, and even though I've got. 
even though we've got a, a lot of data that shows that this is a trend that I think will be very you know big, um, the idea of like kind of mass customization and empowerment and you know mm -hmm. building stuff um, physically, get moving away from you know going to the store and buying a mass produced thing that you know one size fits all yeah, yeah. which and come on none of us are one size fits all right like right. we're all we're all unique snowflakes <laughs> and uh you know i think that's just where things are going to ultimately go and you can look at companies like what motorola has been doing or google originally was doing mm -hmm. with the um x the moto x stuff yeah. and the project ara and mm -hmm. all those things I think are, are you know super you know super excited. So w when you quit, yep. like, uh, did you just say I'm just going to bootstrap this thing? How did you do it? Because you you have you have a wife and a child, two children. I have two kids. I have a wife. My so your Peter's got two. Kids you are and a not wife. <laughs> legally allowed as a that's not the narrative. Yeah. So the the way this went down is you know there was a couple things. I mean I I had a little bit of money like personally and obviously kind of you know the success of TNL and kind of you know, leaving there. I had a little bit of cash that I that I that I could use, plus I pretty good at savings. So some money in savings. Mm -hmm. um, Peter, so I had this crazy idea. Peter was like, "Yeah, this is great, but we we're not doing this unless our wives are on board." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's correct." Yeah. And to their credit, they were I would say far more enthusiastic about us attempting this than maybe we even were. Like we kind of came in, we're like, "Here's this crazy idea." I met met with Pete's wife, and we're like, "All right, here's this. Here's how we're gonna do it. It's gonna be crazy risky, but here's the plan." Mm -hmm. And afterwards, she was like, "You gotta go do it." And so she was on board. And my my wife uh, has been giving me a hard time since Flickr launched. I think I think when Flickr w had been like acquired by Yahoo and and you know it was oh, all wow. the news. Okay. Yeah. My wife was like, "You could have done that." Like, where's your Flickr? <laughs> and you know, so this is the real. We're getting to the heart of why yeah, you're yeah, doing exactly, this, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, <laughs> if you kind of build up to when I think Instagram was acquired by Facebook, it was the same kind of thing. Yeah. She, I, I came home and she was like, tap, 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 tap. Instagram? Like, you could have done that." Like, yeah. She's like, "Come on." And uh, I mean, it was all obviously kind of, you know, lovingly making fun of me. Sure. And, uh, but the attitude was there. It, to, her, to... Yeah, her mentality was like, you can do this. I know you can do it. Like, you know, you should go do it. And when I came home one day, I was like, look, I'm not going to pretend this is going to turn out like Instagram or Flickr, but this is my Instagram. Like, let's, like, yeah. this is kind of crazy and it might work and it's probably going to be very binary. It's either not going to work or it will. Um, but I and she could see just how much like I was like obsessing about it. So she's like, "Go do it." And you know, so I, a bunch of really quick questions. We're really short on time, but I'm just so it's such an awesome business. So number one is, um, <clears throat> were you did you also fundraiser or like or actually let's take a step back. Did you think and oh, I'm going to do an accelerator because everyone does accelerators now? Uh, so short answer. So we did we raised some money for friends and family, which okay. is which is what allowed us to in a convertible note kind of yeah, thing. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I again thankfully had some some. Family members who were crazy enough to believe in what they don't even understand what we're doing. They're like, all right, like, <laughs> they're like, here's some money, like go do it. We we believe in you, and um, hopefully, I can I don't lose their money. Um, so that that was uh, you know that that was obviously very helpful. So bootstrapped and then some friends and family money kind of kept us afloat. Um, we honestly weren't. Into, I mean, I would love to go to like Y Combinator or something like that. Like sure. that's the kind of thing where just. Being involved with it opens doors. I see. The bigger problem is obviously having a family. It's very difficult. I can't. It's very difficult for me to like pack up all of us. Pack up, and kind of move down there. Mm. Uh, which is so that hasn't been an option. Um, but there are some. Uh, just to be cynical for a second, there are some local ones. Would you consider those kinds of things? Like, is it now at this point about the network more than it is about the pedagogy and the uh, learning? That um, yes and no. I mean, I think there's a lot of mentorship that 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 is valuable. 
that I mean, as someone who like, I have a general idea of how this works, I can go online and read all the different essays that Paul Graham has written. Sure, it's I mean, different. All, there's so much stuff that's yeah. that's available online, and you can, I think, consume this content to build your confidence. But once you're in the weeds, you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, mm-hmm. how do I? Like, I need to go raise money. Okay, all right, this is a game. I don't know the rules of this game, so let me read it. Mm-hmm. And then you just start kind of going through it, and you're like, wow, like, all right, I need to bounce these ideas off of someone. And mm-hmm. the idea of of having a mentorship network of people that you can talk to, I think, is really valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so locally, I do think that there is some value in it. I'm not necessarily sure that for us, I was willing to give up whatever equity that would have entailed to do it. Right. So I was like, no, I don't think I'm going to go In terms of the network probably wouldn't be as far reaching as something like a Y Combinator. Totally. So it's not worth the five, three, oops, whatever percent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's obviously a gamble. Like, is it worth it? I don't know. There's no way to know until you're in it. Sure. Especially from the outside looking in, it's just like, I don't know what these guys are really going to provide. Well, it's not even, I mean, like how many, com- not, do you know every company that come out of a Y Combinator? No, it's not a guarantee no. of success. Oh, either. Not, not. Y Combinator. I mean, if you look, I mean, if you, if you dig into it, like the, the, the opportunities that like a Y Combinator provide, yes. I, as far as I can tell, uh, that's worth whatever you're yeah, paying. Yeah, that is yeah. that is in, you know, kind of it's worth its weight in gold. Locally, I think, think the argument could be made that it's going to be a gamble and it's, it's a bit of a crapshoot. You don't really know where, where it's going to net out. Um, so with me, I was like, all right, I have a general idea of how to run a business. I know how to kind of build a team. Like I, I've been through this. Um, so I wasn't really interested in the incubators, um, although we did end up going into, um, so Cassette, uh, the, the large traditional ad agency, they ran an incubator um, that at first I kind of scoffed at. I was like, what does Cassette have to do with like, like incubators? Like what? Uh, but they offered um, you know, a desk space and access to their staff. It was more of like a... Like we have access to a PR team and like you know mm. a studio and, and producers and like if we need to make video and the kind of stuff that will help I think propel us forward from a marketing and positioning standpoint, they offered that stuff for free. There was no equity, there's no cash. Mm. It was you know more of a exchange of value. We'll help them become look at the world a little bit more entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. At least that was mm-hmm. the sales pitch to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean we're obviously only four guys. I don't know how much impact we can have in a huge company, but hey, I'm, I'm willing to try. Uh, and help them out, and in exchange, we get access to that. So I, that was very valuable. Yeah. How long was that? It was for a year. So we oh, got in in October, and and um, we have up to uh, up to twelve months. Crazy uh, in there. So that's been great. So we, we we're in that. So that is an incubator that we are, we are participating in. But uh, the traditional, like you know, other ones that are that are around, we we have kind of. Just hasn't been. It's not a fit for us. So how how do you like? Uh, we're way over time, but I, I'm just curious. How do you know what to do next? You're in the middle of. So right now, correct me if I'm wrong. You're in the trenches. You've got the prototype. Yeah. You sort of got the engineering. Yeah. Uh, I think I've seen you. I think you showed me once the little plumbing. So you've got some the yeah. the board, uh, and you've got some semblance of the fact that people want it, want this thing. Yeah. So he, what we're gonna do is is. To, to really raise around, um, like to do what we're doing, like we need to raise money. Like I would love why? to think, why? It just it's as it's so complicated and so involved mm. that if for us to kind of do this, I don't think it would make sense for us to try and build everything up front to support this kind of idea of of, of mass customized electronics. If we're just doing it as like a small business, like I, to, right. to really build up the tech and to kind of realize the idea. I do think we need to scale it and be and be huge. So it's uh, uh, um, uh, to get the capacity. It's not necessarily marketing money. It's it's capacity money. It's a mix of just having to build some of the technology um, and how complicated complicated it's going to be. I think to realize some of the economies of scale 
for us to even make this, you know, feasible, feasible, mm. you need to hit a certain hit a certain scale. Mm -hmm. So at, at the onset, it felt very much like, all right, this has, and I do believe we can scale something here. Like I don't think this is just a kind of a small little niche. I think mm -hmm. we can create something that could have a really interesting impact on stuff. So it just felt like it fit more like a uh, like it would fit the kind of mold of what a, what a VC would would look at. And it's just like kind of crazy out there that you know, we met with every investor we've met with. It's been like, oh, this is really interesting. The feedback we've got it and, and completely understandable is this is such a new market. And how like is there really interest there? Like, could this really be like say one more validation? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And they've, they've, they've asked for traction. Like a, lot of, a lot of them are like, okay, what kind of traction numbers do you have? And I'm like, oh, we haven't launched yet. That's we're a hardware company, and you know, it's very difficult for us. So the to risk is they're going to keep punting you. Great that you have a thousand users. Uh, buying a thousand dollars worth of stuff per yeah. user. Show them come back when you have ten thousand. That's the. It hasn't been that. No, no. Like at a seed stage investment, they're not necessarily looking for like you're not. We're not in a place to grow. They're not looking to invest in companies that are growing. I mean, at that point, you're really raising a Series A. Okay. Um, what they're interested. In, what they're more curious about is is all right. Like, okay, so I've got a bunch of stats that show that this is a trend that's going to happen, and I've got a lot of that. I think what ultimately we need to do is just get, we need traction numbers. I need to put mm -hmm. this in the hands of people and be like, look, here's what people are saying, here's what's doing. And it, I waited too long. We waited too long to do that and that, that obviously was a fault of mine. And um, so that's what we're gonna do. That's one of the reasons why we're launching this beta. It's like, all right, let's just like, fuck it. Like get this into the hands of people. Mm -hmm. Let's see what they have to say. Let's make sure we're not crazy. Even though I've got, you know, we have got a tremendous amount of feedback from people that they're interested. That's all, doesn't matter. It's all talk. Let's, let's get this in the hands of people and see what we're gonna do. So that's what we're doing. We're gonna launch it. Um, you know, see how it how it how it, you know responds, and if it does what I believe it's going to do, um, we'll circle back and 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 uh, hopefully hopefully raise a seed and go. That's from there. awesome. Well, that's a really great point to end on. Um, so everyone, uh, thanks for tuning in to Entrepreneurs in Small Rooms Drinking Coffee. Um, I'm Rob Kennedy, and we have Jeremy of Wattage Wattage.io. That's correct. And you can just sign up right now. On, just go to the website, sign up, and yeah. you'll get an invite within hopefully the next month or so. Yeah, exactly. So if you, if, you, if you go check it out, the the website goes into a little bit more detail about like how it works and what's going on. Mm. Uh, simple sign up, and um, yeah, we will be sending out uh, invites in uh, probably about four weeks or so to get people signed up. Cool. Start using the beta. Love it. if you got feedback, if you've got ideas, if you want to know more about it, I'm happy to chat as well. So you know, find me on. Uh, Jeremy Bell uh, on Twitter. That it goes out actually with the show. Oh, your your yeah, Twitter so, handle, so you can just follow us. Yeah, uh, so if you follow want to follow there. us or ask me questions or whatever, I'm more than happy to chat. Cool. And uh, thanks very much for the working group for hosting us, and thanks to Nick Kuhn for producing. Uh, and see you. Uh, we'll be in the Valley next week, so we'll have some startups from down there to talk to directly. So uh, the audio quality will be crappier, but the startups will be different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone, and see you then.